Well, the arrival of a newborn baby, if that has been your experience, is no small thing. They have the habit of changing our lives and disrupting our schedules. Our whole life is turned upside down. Everything changes. It's amazing how such a tiny human being can cause such an upheaval. Well, the promised arrival of baby Isaac into the home of Mr. and Mrs. Abraham is no small thing. In fact, the birth of Isaac changes everything. It it impacts the whole history of the world. It's a birth that demands a response from each one of us. You see, how we respond to the birth of Isaac will either lead to uncontainable joy or unimaginable misery. Either uncontainable joy or unimaginable misery. So what I want us to do this morning is to look at the promise of God in chapter 21. And as we think about the promise, think about what our response to it is going to be. So first, big long titles this morning, faith in God's promise leads to uncontainable joy. Faith in God's promise leads to uncontainable joy. You remember back in chapter 12, God had made the promise to Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. It was a promise that would restore broken lives and renew this disordered world. The problem was, Abraham and Sarah had no son. And no son meant no means of the blessing continuing. In fact, they are now both very old. Abraham was about to celebrate his centenary, and Sarah was hitting the big 9-0. The chances for them having a child and keeping the hope of blessing alive were as good as gone. But let's remember who made the promise. Look at verse 1. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. You see, what God said, God did. What God promised, God fulfilled. Now these kinds of things aren't supposed to happen. OAPs don't have babies. But that's precisely the point. With God, the impossible happens. God always delivers on his promise, even when we think it's dead and gone. You see, God had promised to bless the nations of the world through the family line of Abraham, and God was determined to make sure that that promise would be fulfilled. That nothing and no one not even an old age couple, would stop what God says he is going to do. Now the promises are not just to be admired, they are promises that are to be believed. 
We could imagine the old couple, Sarah and Abraham, looking over their crib, cooing at baby Isaac as he gurgled away. And with a big beaming smile, Sarah says, look at verse 6, God has brought me laughter. Of course, it's not the only time that Sarah laughed, is it? Have a look back at chapter 18. Go back to chapter 18 and verse 12. Here Sarah has been promised that she will have a son. And look at her response, verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Go back to chapter 21. You see, there it was a laugh of doubt and disbelief. You've got to be joking, that ain't possible. But now the possible has happened. The promise has been fulfilled. And Sarah laughs. A laugh not of disbelief, but of sheer uncontainable delight in what God has done. You see, deep down in the midst of all the doubting and wondering, there was a fragile faith. A faith not in her ability, but in God's ability to do great things. Now, in chapter 21, it's perhaps hard for us to detect where Sarah's faith is, but Scripture wants us to see Sarah's faith. The writer of Hebrews records it for us. Can you follow there on the screen? And by faith, Even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. You see, Sarah's faith is not a great faith or a a confident faith. It's a faith in the faithfulness of God. You see, faith in God enables Sarah to know the blessing that God had promised. Yes, Isaac was her son. She was delighted in having a son. But there was something bigger and greater because through him would come the greater and ultimate son, Jesus Christ, who would come to restore the broken lives and renew this disordered world. And now Sarah is beginning to have a a taste to share in the blessing of God. But what was Sarah's experience can also be our experience. Look at verse 6 again with me. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. You see, the promise of blessing isn't just for Sarah. It's for others too. It's a joy that overflows and is to be shared and experienced by other people. 
Do you see it there in the middle of verse 6? And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. So, so how do we get to share in Sarah's delight? How do we experience this uncontainable joy that's bursting out of Sarah? Well, it's all by faith. Come with me, please, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Because here we get to see how and why we can celebrate and share in Sarah's delight. You see, the birth of, of Isaac would ultimately lead to the birth of God's Son, Jesus Christ, the one who comes to renew the broken world and restore our broken lives. And with the coming of Jesus the Saviour, there was lots of joyful laughter. Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus, God's son, goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who is also pregnant. Now look at how Liz Elizabeth responds when Mary comes to her. We pick it up in verse 44. So this is Elizabeth, who's pregnant, speaking to Mary, who's come to see her. Verse 44. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. You see, Mary and Elizabeth Rejoice, they've, they've come to see that the promised Saviour has come. And even an unborn baby is leaping and jumping for joy that the Saviour of the world who will renew and restore all things has come. What a day of celebration. But it wasn't just for Mary and Elizabeth. It was a joy for the whole world. Look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. We remember that the angel came to the shepherd. And look what he says in verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You see, this is a blessing for all people as they come to faith and turn to trust in Jesus Christ. Now, just as Sarah looked forward in faith to the promised Son, Jesus Christ, so we now look back to Jesus who has come the Saviour of the world. And that changes everything for us. The Apostle Peter understood this. He writes, follow on screen, Though you have not seen him, it's speaking of Jesus, though we have not seen him, we love him. 
And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's why we sing. That's why Ralph led us with joyful praise, with all of creation, singing of God's great salvation plan. You see, we cannot help but express our delight and happiness in all that God has given to us in Christ, that everything has been changed and our eternal destiny is secure and we have hope today and life to come. You see, faith in the promise of God leads to uncontainable joy. Well, second, unbelief, unbelief in God's promise leads to unimaginable misery. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 21. Unbelief in God's promise leads to unimaginable misery. The arrival of baby Isaac caused quite an upheaval, didn't it? Not everyone was celebrating and sharing in the joy. Some mocked. Look at verse 8. The child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. There was a a party, a, a celebration. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. We, of course, know this son to be Ishmael. And he isn't very excited, is he, about the arrival of Isaac. Ishmael is laughing for sure. But he's not laughing with Sarah in joy. He's laughing at Isaac. He's ridiculing him. He's despising him. He's, verse 9, mocking him. While others are rejoicing at God's promised blessing, Ishmael is mocking the promised blessing. You see, to mock and laugh at Isaac is actually to mock and laugh at God and his plan of redemption. Ishmael at this stage is about 16 years of age and should know better. And he sees Isaac as a a threat. Blessing? Well, I'm going to find my own blessing. I don't need promises from God or anybody else. I'll find my own way through life, thank you very much. Rather than faith in God... He was opting for faith in himself. And to reject the promises of God, to mock God, to laugh at God, means it has serious consequences. For mocking God will mean that you are cut off from God. Look at verse 9. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share 
in the inheritance with my son Isaac. He's, he's not going to share in that blessing. Now that might sound really harsh to us. But Sarah is only acting as Ishmael had already decided. By mocking Isaac, Ishmael was placing himself outside of God's promised blessing. We know this because God affirmed Sarah's request. Look at verse 11. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that the offspring will be reckoned. The blessings are going to come through Isaac's line, but sadly Ishmael didn't want anything to do with it. And the consequences of unbelief meant being cut off from the blessings of God. Verse 14. So early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin, a container of water, and gave them to Hagar. He sent them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. I think it's one of the most saddest verses. You see, turning your back on the promises of God is to be cut off from the blessings of God. And rather than bring uncontainable joy, it leads to unimaginable misery. Look at the effects of turning away from God's promise. They were immediate and harsh. From a life of blessing, they now enter into a life of curse. From a home where there was plenty, Ishmael ends up in a desert that's empty. Verse 15. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down but about a bowshot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. I can't look at see my child die. And she sat there and she began to sob. Can you see the misery of what happens when we turn our backs on God? Instead of life, there is death. Instead of blessing, there is curse. Instead of uncontainable joy, it's unimaginable misery. You see, the promises of God are not a small thing. They're a serious thing. And it demands a response from each one of us. Do we, like Sarah, welcome and believe the promise? Or like Ishmael, reject the promise? It's a question we're all confronted with, with the arrival of another baby. The fulfilment of all God's promises, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He confronts us. What are we going to do with him? To listen to him, to trust him, will be life. To ignore him and to reject him will be death. And as we respond in faith to God's promises, we are welcomed into his family. We receive the gift of life, the forgiveness of sins, fullness and peace. 
We get to enjoy all his blessings now and for all eternity. But yet to laugh and mock and turn our back on Jesus is to be cut off. Yes, we may find pleasure and happiness for a time, but it's never going to last. It leaves us empty, unfulfilled, never satisfied. We'll face an eternity separated from God without hope and without joy. Even as believers, we can be tempted to turn away from Jesus, can't we? Like Ishmael, we can put our trust in self and go it alone. Pursuing life, pursuing happiness and joy in in things and people and created things instead of the Creator God. No, the message is turn back. Trust Jesus. He is the source of all life, infinite peace and eternal rest. His word will satisfy you. His presence will fulfill you. Faith in God's promise leads to uncontainable joy. But unbelief will lead to unimaginable misery. God's desire is that we would all share in his joy. So what hope is there? Well, third, hope in God's promise leads to unbelievable mercy. Hope in the promise leads to unbelievable mercy. Remember, we left Ishmael outside of the promise, cut off from the blessing of God. In distress, her her mother, his mother laid her dying son under a bush. Let's pick it up in verse 16. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. I cannot bear it. And as she sat there, she began to sob. Their lives are hopeless and helpless. No chance in the searing heat. No water to revive. But as death begins to close in, we see the unbelievable mercy of God. Look at how God pursues the wanderer. There's three things as we close to consider. First, God hears our cry. Look at verse 17. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Remember, this is Ishmael who had mocked God, who had turned away from the gift of blessing, but yet God still hears his cry. It's as if God is saying, Ishmael, you may be finished with me, but I'm not finished with you. Ishmael, you may have put yourself outside of God, but God is never outside of Ishmael. Now, we may know people who've placed themselves outside of God who want nothing to do with him. Maybe it's one of your children. Maybe a spouse. 
maybe a friend. But no one is ever outside the reach of God. It seems that there is an offer of life. You see, God hears our cry and God opens our eyes. Of course, hearing the cry is no good unless something is done to relieve that cry. So, verse 19, God hears. Now, verse 19, God opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. It seems Hagar was in so much distress that she doesn't see the well. It's concealed from her. So God intervenes and opens her eyes to see that there is water. And the boy can drink and as he drinks, he lives. And isn't that what God must do for those who do not believe? He must open our eyes so that we see in him life in all its fullness. You remember what John records for us in John's Gospel. There's another woman at another well and she's distressed. And Jesus comes to her and says, Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I have come, says Jesus, to give life in all its fullness. Can you see where life is? So God hears us, God opens our eyes. And third, God is with us. Look at verse 20. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. And while he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Now, going to Egypt is never a good move. In fact, throughout Genesis, any time we read of somebody going to Egypt, it's always a move away from God. And that's where Ishmael is turned. But yet the extraordinary thing is, God didn't abandon him. Look at verse 20. God was with the boy as he grew up. It seems that God doesn't give up so easily Now, now I'm not trying to say all ended well for Ishmael. It, It doesn't, if we follow the story. But what I want us to see here is the unbelievable mercy of God who doesn't give up on wanderers like Ishmael. And if anybody rejects God, it's never going to be because God wasn't bothered. No, God is, God is kind. God's mercy is is long-suffering. His countless interventions in the lives of those who do not believe and those who do believe every single day, his, His daily grace and provision, His steadfast care, He loves His creation. So what does that mean for us? 
Well, I think it encourages me not to be hopeless when it comes to people who express unbelief. Because God is merciful and kind. The promises of God are held out to them too. That means I can cry out in prayer for my friends. I know that when I cry on their behalf, God who made the world hears. He hears what I have to say. And I can ask God to open the eyes of those who are blind to Jesus so that they may know life and have life in all its fullness. Because I can't open the eyes of anyone, but God can. And I can trust that God is with those who turn away and make sinful choices and and go further away. And I know that the Creator God is always within striking distance. He is with them all. God is unbelievably merciful. You see, it doesn't matter who we are where we come from or what we've done there is hope in the promises of God so there we have it the arrival of God's promised son teaches us that faith in the promises of God leads to uncontainable joy unbelief in the promises of God leads to unimaginable misery but yet there's hope in the promises of God because it leads to unbelievable mercy let's pray In the quietness, maybe maybe you just want to pray for someone right now. Maybe it is one of your children, your spouse, a friend. Maybe you need to pray yourself because you know you are not walking in faith. You have not trusted in Jesus. Pray because God hears. Pray because God opens eyes. Pray because God is with us. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our hearts cry. Thank you for opening our eyes to Jesus. Thank you that you are with us and you have filled us with joy in Christ. Thank you. Amen.
Well, we want to sing. Sarah laughed. Sarah laughed with joy, a delight in the promises of God. And we can laugh with her as we sing songs of joy. All my days of gladness, I only... Oh, I'll start again. All my days I will sing this song of gladness. Give my praise to the fountain of delight. For in my helplessness you heard my cry and waves of mercy poured down on my life. How it reflects what we have just looked at together. Let's stand together as we sing.